Welcome to The True Fiction Project, a podcast series that explores the origins of fiction. Every week, we begin with an interview, nonfiction, followed by a creative piece, fiction, inspired by something from the interview. The idea is to demonstrate, of course, that fiction is born out of our life experiences. Now, here's your host, storyteller, author, public speaker, health and wellness expert, Renita Hora. Welcome to this week's episode of The True Fiction Project. In this special episode, we feature actors and musicians of season two. And to kick us off, let's start with the only woman on the list, Beth Hennessy. Beth is a singer-songwriter in the music group Kalia and also a fiction writer. She shared with us the experiences of growing up in a cult, and she discusses the rules and reasons for a cult, and how her family became a part of it, and how they eventually left. Then, we hear a poem Beth wrote, inspired by her experiences in the cult called A Good Samaritan. So let's take a listen. I think what, and I learned this after the fact, that we had even grown up in what the outside world would call a cult. I think what made it a cult for us was the fact that we were meant to marry with inside the cult. There was a fence around the compound. And it wasn't like that I could go out and go to college, that we grew up to work within their business, you know. And so I think for as far as like the definition of a cult, there was one main leader who, for me as a kid, it was all about trying to please and find how to dampen myself, right? So make myself not as bright. And because anything that is bright is a threat to someone. So that kind of mind games and the constriction of that area and within, you know, marrying within that, like, I think for us that that was kind of what classified us as, oh, yeah, you know, you come out into the outside world and you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize that this was happening to me. Where'd we get lost? Why did we fall apart? A Good Samaritan by B. Hennessy Walls, walls, they stand gray, they stand tall From the outside looking in Not even a Good Samaritan would think to break in Tall, tall stands that gate that never falls From the outside looking in not even a good Samaritan would see the need to break in. Small, small, the captives smile, the captives wave. Every morning passing by, not even a good Samaritan sees the truth that hides within. Lies, lies that the captives swallow, they're taught to follow. To question their leader is a sin. He says even a good Samaritan is a danger to them. Cry, cry, don't be weak, the leader does teach. So I smile, yes I wave, and watch as a good Samaritan smiles and walks on by. Wrong, wrong, I shouldn't wish, I shouldn't pray, that someday soon maybe a good Samaritan will take me from this place. Jump, jump, hopscotch skip, I want to win, but I shouldn't be good at anything. The leader says that pride is a sin. Shine, shine, I mustn't shine, so I'll hide my light, I'll become nothing like sand inside a good Samaritan's eye. Why do they never see? Why can't they ever see? Cry, my tears run dry, 
fight till there is no more light. Good Samaritan, please look a little closer as you pass by. Walls, walls, why are they gray? Why are they tall? Every morning I pass this way, but today I slow my pace. Have I been a good Samaritan just walking by? Tall, tall, why is the gate so tall? There they are, like they always are. Those captives smile, those captives wave. Have I been a good Samaritan not thinking to save? Forgive me, forgive me. Today I see, I see your counterfeit smiles, your broken waves, your shoes all tattered and gray, the hollow beneath your eyes, your light behind a cage. Now I see him watching. He's always been proudly watching me be a good Samaritan just walking by as if watching all his teachings come true. A good Samaritan won't see the truth within. So the captives smile, the captives wave. I'm a fool, a fool. He's fooled me like he's fooled you. He told you I was an outsider looking in, that I was evil, a danger to you. He probably told you I didn't stop because no evil he did commit. Proof, proof that he is right, that you should keep your mouth closed and hide your light. Forgive me, oh forgive me, I didn't look close enough to see. I should have stopped long before. I have been a good Samaritan, just walking by. But today is that day I see you and you see me. I won't let him have another night, another day of your light. What is your name? I'll hold your hand through the fence as they break down the tall gray gate. Close your eyes, close your ears. Don't be afraid. I'll hold your hand as you walk through that gate, free. Walls, walls, he'll be put where he belongs, behind a tall gray gate where he can never put another cage over your light. Shine, shine, now you're free. I learned my lesson. I'll keep my eyes wide. For you, I can see. For you, I will speak, so that I won't be a good Samaritan that unknowingly walks on by. Now go, little one, shine your light for all the world to see. This good Samaritan will never forget how you smiled, how you waved, while behind that cage, be free, free, for all to see. Shine your light, shine your light. I still think about you. to the men. First, we'll listen to my interview with Anand Bhatt, a musician, cooking show host of Rockstar Recipes, and quite the storyteller. Anand shared how he started in the music industry and defined what Latindian music is, and how all of that evolved into a cooking show. Then he dove into some fascinating stories of the dangers he has come across in his life that inspire the story the night that dancing saved my life. Detailing when he visited Colombia and decided to go to an old cartel house. You won't believe the story. Let's take a listen. 
I grew up in Chicago listening to a lot of Latin music mm-hmm. and a lot of Latin pop. And it's totally my passion. As I got older, kind of moved my solo career more and more into that realm. And I finally took the plunge and started, you know, releasing songs and recording flat out Spanish music with a style that the industry calls Latindian style, because I've got doublas and stuff going on in there. And, and you know, like Indian beats mm-hmm. meld really well with Latin percussion and Latin beats. I mean, and even culturally, we match up really well on a lot of themes and a lot of fun things. And I mean, both cultures like to dance and our both our music is very danceable. So I'm very fortunate that the Latin community really took to it. I got to meet a bunch of my idols mm-hmm. like Romeo Santos and Shakira and all sorts of fun stuff. And the Latin music scene really accepted me, even though I'm not 100% Latino. I'm actually an <laughs> Indian guy, right? That just happens to speak and sing in Spanish when I Super. feel like it, right? So I'm actually very fortunate on that. I am in Colombia recording a new track. So I'm there for a while, like at least a month, right? So I'm used to being in Colombia, in Medellin, like in pure Medellin gang stomping grounds. Like 20 years ago, this was the big place where cocaine came from, right? And now it's still run there, but the main dude is obviously no longer there. Anyone who wants the history of that area can watch, you know, Narcos. Narcos Colombia, right? Right. And, you know, and that still, it still goes on, obviously, but it's a little different. Colombia's a little different than it used to be 20 years ago, slightly. And Colombia, Medellin is the type of place where nobody will actually accept American dollars there, right? So I would actually have to do this thing where I'd have to find some black market place to exchange my money into pesos, right? I just couldn't exchange my money anywhere. And in order to explain why... I actually have American dollars, so I don't get murdered, right? Fine, going to this black market gang to actually get some money. You know, I'd have to always give my backstory of, you know, I'm teaching white tourists how to dance bachata or something like that, right? <laughs> and that's why I keep getting these dollar bills that I have to like eat exchange for real money that I could actually use to eat. So I'm recording and I'd met up with another guy who was actually an American, an American expat visiting there. I saw him just riding his bike and we were coming out of some unsavory areas. And, you know, he's like, look, I am actually for a website. He's like, I'm actually making a map of old cartel houses that are still functioning, but underground. But I'm actually making like this map. It was like some project that he was doing. And he's like, you want to come along? And, you know, his Spanish wasn't great. So he kind of wanted me to translate a little. People cut me a lot of slack. I don't think my Spanish was great either, but everyone's just so happy that it's an Indian man speaking Spanish. Right. They're like, this is so sweet. Right. Like, and, you know, my Colombian fans have to be my favorite fans. Right. They're so sweet and so supportive and just so happy. Right. Like that you're an Indian guy speaking Spanish, you know, anywhere else. If I pull this in India, like my Hindi is not great either, but everyone just yells at me for not being able to speak Hindi. Right. Like it's a completely different reaction. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll go along with you. This sounds super fun. Right. This is how I get myself into these messes. Right. I'm like, this sounds really fun. I totally want to see these old cartel houses and what's going on in them now. Right. Because these are unassuming mansions in the middle of town. It sounds really cool. Right. So I'm like, of course, I will go along with you and see what's going on there. So we walk into a couple of these. He takes his notes and he's just really marking them out down on a map. And we get to this one where we get in. 
And some older lady answers the door and brings us in and we start talking. I mean, we can't upfront say like, we know this is a former cartel house or a current cartel house. What's going on, right? We're just like, hey, we're exploring around and we heard fun things go on here. And we want to know, we just want to look around and see what's going on, right? And a lot of the time I would get away with the story not being white because this is a common job for local Colombians to escort white tourists around and then get a commission on whatever they're doing, right? So a backstory that we would tell sometimes is, oh no, I'm this is my white guy, right? <laughs> and I'm just showing him around, which is not that unusual, believe it or not. Or like, you know, a white guy will hire like a local brown man guide, right? Just so they would, right? I mean, it's not that unusual, especially if they want to explore outside of the touristy areas, right? Which they're not safe at all otherwise. And so we sit down. She says, okay, great. And, you know, we sit down and like, I think he orders a drink or something. We play like you should buy something. They do serve drinks and drugs and all sorts of things in these places. So we're sitting there and we're just kind of talking. And in the door comes a Colombian guy who brings two more white guys. So he sits down and those two white guys, one is an expat old man from Texas and the other is an Irish person. And both of these guys are noticeably drunk and high, like very much so. Very loud, very obnoxious, very stupid. They sit down next to us and we're talking. We're just chilling out. We're inside a, an active cartel house, mind you, right? And suddenly these guys start ordering up a bunch of stuff. They start ordering big eight balls of cocaine and lots of drinks and all sorts of stuff. And the guy that I'm with, my white guy, and he's participating, talking. He's so happy to see other white dudes, right? So he's getting noticeably inebriated and they're sharing stories and being loud and they're being really dumb. And at this point, my brown man's spidey senses are going off a little bit, right? I get that, right? Something, something that, and I hate to say this sounds very racist. I know this is about to sound racist, but traveling white folk don't have that I'm in danger instinct. Like it just doesn't happen. And I've seen it happen more than once. I've seen in Mexico drunk teenage white girls on vacation get drunk and stand, start dancing on tables, not realizing that they're putting themselves in huge danger, right? Like they have not seen enough Liam Neeson movies, I guess, to realize what life is like, right? Outside of their bubble. And I've noticed this a lot. I know it sounds racist, but I've noticed this a lot. And mine, unfortunately, is a little dialed in. So I, I noticed something's going on. And I noticed that the other guys is saying something, the Colombian guy who brought these two guys to that old lady. And so, okay, so fine. Some time goes on. And then next thing I know, like four outrageously attractive women get dropped off. I mean, like outrageously attractive, right? And they get dropped off and led in there. And next thing you know, they're sitting next to us. And then now I know something is up. Something's going on, right? And so talking to the girls in Spanish and figuring out what's going on. And while these three are getting very drunk and talking about sports and absolutely the most ridiculous thing, like literally four of the most beautiful women they've ever seen are sitting next to them and they're talking about sports and snorting cocaine. And so I find out that these four women are working girls and they are very expensive working girls. So I'm realizing it is time for us to leave, right? Like, this is time for us to go. We have overstayed our, the whatever line you can get into a dangerous situation right before you're about to cross it. We've overstayed that welcome. We really need to get out of there. So I'm mentioning this to the guy that I'm walking around with. And he's like, no, he's like, oh, no, let's a little more because he's having so much fun, right? And he's also probably thinking he's going to get to sleep with these girls, right? And I'm trying to explain to him that, like, unless you showed up with a lot of money, we are now in a situation, right? 
And then I come the old lady. I'm talking to her a little bit. And she comes to inform me that, oh, no, you guys have this huge bill. Like, we can't let you leave because now you've racked up a crazy amount of money for these four women, a crazy amount of money for the amount of cocaine these guys are doing and the amount of drinks that they're having. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, we have no part of this. Right. We just waltzed in here (laughs) and and are just kind of looking around like we did not order any of this. These other two guys ordered all of this. Well, come to pass that that other Colombian guy saw us standing there and so he could get an extra commission, decided to tell that old lady that we are also his clients. So all of this should go on our bill and obviously he's going to get a huge commission. And I'm trying to explain to her that no, that literally none of this is going on. So of course, I think she walks away to go discuss something. I go back to my guy. I'm like, we need to get out of here right now. So I'm explaining to him what's going on. He's still not getting the picture. I'm like, no, like... Now our lives are in danger. We need to get out of here right now. Like we can't pay this bill. Another Colombian has promised that we are going to foot this bill for these crazy people as well. And like, we're going to get shot, right? Like any minute now, right? Because she also knows what's going on. I'm like, this, we're not supposed to be here. We did not bring that kind of money, right? So I finally convinced him to go. We go to leave. And now that I finally convinced this guy, and I I did not want to leave this guy to die either, right? And we actually had a quick discussion too. And like, once I convinced him what's going on, I'm like, what do you do about these other two guys? And I'm like, hopefully they have money. Like, this is a horrible thing to admit, but we can't save them and us as well, right? And we didn't debate this long, mind you, just to be full disclosure. I'm no hero, right? I am no action star. So... You know, I'm like trying to get them out. So we're kind of hoping. And we were kind of mad, at least I was, that these two guys, you know, inadvertently got us in this situation. And they were very obnoxious. These were completely unsavory characters, right? I would have never wanted to hang out with them voluntarily. This Texas old man and this drunk, very belligerent Irish dude who ordered up all these, all the women in cocaine and shouting at the top of their lungs, right? They were just not fun to be around at all. So anyways, so this door's chained shut. We are screwed. We can't even sneak out. So we go back, you know, awaiting our fate. And so, and I'm talking to the girls, at least, trying to explain what's going on. And they were actually very nice and sympathetic. And they're like, I, and they're like, I don't know what to do. They're like, we have no power in this situation either, right? It's not like they have any say to go. I doubt they're there voluntarily, right? So finally, there's music playing. So this would be the perfect time to have like a commercial break to keep people going. But This is where we are, and we are literally probably less than an hour away from being murdered at this point. Like, for sure. All four of us. And who knows what they'll do with the women. They'll probably send them back, right? So anyways, I like, what do you do in that situation, right? So like, you're in that situation. So of course, my buddy starts drinking again. I don't drink or use, so I'm just hanging out. I'm like, well, while I'm here, I'm going to flirt and have the conversation with these girls. Like, I'm going to die in an hour anyway, right? And I did not want to talk to these three guys. They were so outrageously obnoxious and boring at this point, right? Again, they're snorting cocaine and talking about sports and their favorite TV shows, right? They're completely uninteresting on every possible level and annoying. And these four women were not. They had interesting stories to tell. So I'm just kind of talking to them and whatnot. And we're kind of waiting it out. And, you know, the music comes on and they're playing a good playlist. And the music they're playing is very similar to my Spotify Latin music playlist, right? It's kind of all my favorites. It's like all, it's like, you know, Nick Jam songs are coming on, Mark Anthony. And so at this point, one of my favorite Mark Anthony songs come on. And um, what am I going to do? So I yell out loud in Spanish, you know, I love this song. And I just start dancing. 
right? What am I gonna do? I'm like, I'm like, my my favorite Mark Anthony song comes on, you know. I'm you cannot be more in the moment as being you know minutes away from your inevitable murder. So I just start dancing. I start salsa dancing and doing whatever I'm doing, right? Lucky for me, one of the working girls thought that that was the cutest, most adorable, hilarious thing she ever saw. And she took it upon herself. We danced. And then she took it upon herself to risk herself to walk away to the old lady working the thing. And she talked us out of the situation. So I don't know what she said, what she offered up. But she worked out something where at least I and the guy I walked in with were able to leave. And the old lady, the old lady came out and actually talked to me. And then the old lady even gave me this marketing spiel. She's like, well, I hope you come back then for a visit. She's like, you know, it's like it was I mean, it wasn't a tell your friends, but she was like, I hope you come back for a visit sometime and actually, you know, order up some women in trucks for real. Right. And she's unlocking the padlock to the chains to let us out. Right. I'm like, oh, good. Good God. And so uh, me dancing like an Indian man trying to uh, salsa dance literally saved my life. And last but not least, here is Tramel Tillman's interview for this special episode with musicians and actors of season two. Tramel is an actor and activist, and we chatted about the success of his project on Apple TV Plus's psychological thriller series, Severance. He shared his process for building the complex character of Seth Milchek and his experience working with director Ben Stiller. Then, inspired by Tremel's interview, we hear a short story titled The Garden of Earthly Delights, written by Parker James. For me, it was really about finding the why. There was so much about Milchek that was a mystery. This role is specifically written as an African-American Black role, and... I kept asking myself, you know, with this name like Seth Milchek, you know, I have not encountered a Seth Milchek in my communities that I've interacted with. And in in a world that is very specific, a world that is like mind control, and it seems this guy Milchek is very militaristic and Unitarian. It's like all of this, this function, like why does he buy into this culture? And I had extensive conversations with Ben Stiller and Dan Erickson, Ben, the director, Dan, the writer and show creator about Mm -hmm. this world. And what they gave me is that he is an enthusiastic company man. And so for me, it became a great acting challenge to build a three dimensional character where it made sense that he would buy into this. And that he believed in this, this ability to separate your work from your personal life. This is The Garden of Earthly Delights, written by Parker James.
Okay, next. All right, state your names and the role you're auditioning for. My name is Michael Germain, and this is my wife, Sephora. We are presenting ourselves to you to fill the positions of the isolated lovers. Um, all right. Begin whenever you're ready. Come, my love. Here we can find the peace we desire to become one under the lustful eyes of another. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his body in holy... Alright, cut, cut, cut. What in the hell was that? Why are you guys quoting Thessalonians? Oops, sorry. Jumped ahead a bit. Okay, well that's not in this scene. Just continue, please. Are you sure, my love? Do not fear the gaze from envious... Oh, dear. I do feel most regretful for lying to the poor man. It appears that he knows the scripture. Cut! Again, what are you two doing? Honey, I need you to find our Lord's strength. This foul heathen must be brought back to the light. You know, I can hear you, right? I know I can summon the muster to tell him, but gosh... Just feel so darn awful to accost another one of our Lord's children. Look back to the book of Job. Our Lord allows for the vile and the wicked to test our true faith in him. Oh, for God's sake. What the hell are you two freaks doing? How dare you take our merciful Lord's name in vain. You will burn in hell, you sick... What my heavenly wife means to say is that we're here to save you and your future audience from this wicked display of mortal sins. Okay, fine. I'll bite. How is putting on a live retelling of Hieronymus Bosch's The Garden of Earthly Delights a, what did you say, wicked display of mortal sins? Huh. Curious that a man that is clearly at least somewhat knowledgeable of the scripture is unaware of the grave mistake you're making. Okay, yeah, no, you lost me. Please explain before security gets here. Of course, you people continue to turn your back to the Lord and use violence to shun the true believers. I'm sorry, you people? Yes, you people, the non-believers. Okay, what are you two actually doing here? The ad clearly stated this play would be fully nude and depict full sex acts. We were fully aware. We were sent up north on a mission to save this city from sin. Once we saw your ad... We knew we had to come and try to pull you back into the light. This play is sadly only going to encourage our unwed masses that premarital <clears throat> relations are not only something acceptable, but something to celebrate and even engage in. Wait, wait, let me get this straight. You took time out of your own day to create actors' profiles, headshots, and everything. Just to come and preach that my show is going to make people have sex? Don't say that word. What word? Sex? Yes. Every time somebody says that word, a penguin dies. <laughs> You're joking, right? I would never joke about something this serious. All right, all right. Brushing past that. So what exactly do you want me to do? Cancel this show on behalf of your abstinence mission? This painting clearly depicts the story of Adam and Eve and how beautiful the world can be when we enjoy our earth vices. 
No, that painting is a warning of the Lord's wrath for indulging in these mortal sins. We don't want you to cancel it. Just adjust your messaging. And get these people covered up. So, totally change it? In short, yes, for in the book of Corinthians, to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, then they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Ugh. All right, let's just say that I totally change it. Then what? What happens? Your show shows the wicked the true path to the light of the Lord and to be wed to become pure. What? You know I grew up in a town with the same belief, right? What? Then how could you fall so far from the grace of the Lord? Uh, after my two sisters got pregnant, after my town had one of the highest rates of STDs, and of course now we're rated as the town with the most responsibility for, what did you say, penguin murders? Well, if that's the way... The Lord wants it, right? He works in mysterious ways. I've heard it all before. Please. I've also heard that if you soak, you don't sin. That you can use duct tape as a condom. That the back door doesn't count. That you'll go blind and walk backward for the rest of your life if you rub one out. Come on! Can I ask you a question? Of course you can. When's the last time you two freaks had sex? Never. We stay faithful. Not even on our wedding night. Oh, Jesus, you poor balls. All right, I appreciated the show, but... All right, sounds like security's here. Any final words that'll turn me to the light? What should I say to the millions of people that want to have sex before marriage? I hope you prepare them to die and meet the devil himself, you piece of garbage. Yeah, yeah, I'll try my best. Security, get these two blue ball bastards out of here. And I said, oh, 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 I've got a place to go, oh, oh, I've got a hand to hold. After the sun goes down, and I, I've got a place to hide, now that you're by my side, nothing's gonna get me. I hope you enjoyed this look back at musicians and actors of the True Fiction Project podcast, Season 2. Here at the True Fiction Project, we are always looking for great stories that make for compelling fiction. So, if you have a great story or know somebody who does, or if you are a writer who would like to contribute, then please do get in touch with us at renita.com forward slash contact. Thank you for listening to the True Fiction Project with Renita Hora. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive more inspiring stories showing how fiction is born from our everyday experiences. For more information, visit www.truefictionproject.com. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.